0: Mother Teresa was once asked how she could so easily take care of the worst of India's poor, the hungry, the destitute, diseased, downtrodden masses of that country. Her reply should give us all pause to think. Listen to discover the deeper meaning of Jesus' parable of the sheep and the goats from Matthew 25. Jesus frequently used parables in his teaching, he used the parables as a means of illustrating profound divine truths. Stories, which are parables, they stand out because the uh, the symbolism is rich, the characters are bold, they're easily remembered as a result. Most all of his teaching this way centered around concepts of the kingdom of God. He would begin by saying things like, The kingdom of God is like a man who, or the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. He was asked on one occasion why he spoke in parables. And we find in Matthew chapter 13 verses 10 to 11, Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, it has not been given. Now, ordinarily, we would think that speaking more plainly would have allowed more people to understand and therefore accept him. However, we can see from the stories in the Gospels and from our own experience that when plain speech is used, people are prone to argue. They'll find something to argue with you about. But when a parable is used, they tend to figuratively scratch their head trying to figure out what's being said. Now, notice that Jesus said he spoke in parables because some folks were not supposed to understand. Some folks were not supposed to understand. Now, that's a conundrum shrouded in an enigma. Wrapped in a mystery for us to unfold, but not today. Just let it be. From the time of Jesus all the way up until today, there are untold numerous attempts to explain his meaning in the parables. I don't know how many books I have on just the parables and the different concepts. Jesus understood that truth is not always sweet music to the ears. Simply put, there are those who have neither interest nor regard for the deep things of God. So then, why did he speak in parables? To those with a genuine hunger, who want to know the Lord, who want to know his ways... The parable is both an effective and memorable vehicle for the conveyance of divine truth. He made a clear distinction between those who had been given ears to hear and those who persisted in unbelief. Those are the people who are ever hearing but never actually perceiving. Paul mentioned this in one of his letters to Timothy he says they're always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Now in that letter he was talking about those who just continually resist the truth. We find that in, the, in church circles. We find it outside the church, people who resist the truths of Christianity. But even within the church there are those who just resist whatever you try to share with them. Because they already have all the truth there is to have they think. As I've already indicated, arriving at an understanding of the parables is not an easy task, nor is an understanding limited to a single item or theme. It's not one thing in there. Each parable contains more than a simple statement about the things of this life in relation to the things of the spiritual life. Now such a situation occurs In the parable that we read in Matthew 25 about the sheep and the goats. To the casual reader, this appears to be only about the final judgment and how to make sure that you're on the winning side. But there's more to it than that, so let's take a closer look. We'll read through it again. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 45. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne, and before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you, From the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you did not welcome me naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. So what are the thoughts contained throughout this passage. I see judgment for our behavior, a description of what our hate behavior should be, distinctions made between people, and what our focus should be. Now these various things that are to be done are often referred to as the corporal works of mercy. We are to feed the hungry, visit the sick and imprisoned, welcome the stranger and provide for the poor. If we don't do these things, we're called goats and end up on the wrong side of the judgment. Now many teachers have emphasized the importance of doing good works as a means for avoiding judgment and on the surface that may appear to be a good thing. However, we all know that it is possible to be a good person and yet miss out on being accepted by the Lord. Jesus himself said that in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Notice in this passage, the people are doing good, spiritually religious things in the name of Jesus. Yet Jesus calls them workers of lawlessness. The Lord did not know them. They did not know the Lord. Knowing the Lord, or rather being known by Him, is of the utmost importance when it comes to a religious or spiritual life. In the passage from Matthew 25, the most important truth which is presented is knowing the Lord. It's hidden there, but that's the most important truth. It's not the judgment. It's not about whether your good works outweigh your bad deeds. It is about seeing the Lord. If we could learn to see the Lord in all those with whom we come in contact, we would be better able to discern the reality of this current situation. Most of us, myself included, usually jump to our excuses when confronted with a beggar or a beggarly situation. How might that change if we were to see Jesus in each person? Mother Teresa was asked one time how she could continue to minister to serve the poor of India, the hungry, the destitute, the diseased, the downtrodden. Her answer, I minister to Jesus in all his distressing disguises. That's what this passage is about. Are you able to see Jesus in whatever form he comes? Can you see him in the helpless addict who seems to only be looking for his next fix? Can you see him in the unwed mother who seems to only be looking for the next handout? When you do, when you are able to see Jesus within that bedraggled, worn out, hopeless and helpless individual you'll be more able to look with compassion on their situation. Rather than judging them for how they got there, you'll be able to recognize what is in that moment. They are stuck. They are not able to see beyond their immediate need even though we might know that their need is not the fix or a handout. That is the need of the moment. We don't have many street beggars in our community, but there is plenty of need. We live in one of the poorest parts of the country where adults and children often go without the necessities of life. We might not see it, but it's there. Those who serve thrift store, food bank, other places, they see it. The holiday season is a time when we are reminded to be kind to the poor among us. The Salvation Army has its red bucket brigade ringing the bell asking passersby to put some change into the bucket. The grocery store provides the opportunity to help a neighbor by buying extra goods to put into a bag to be given to someone in need. We have a large jar out front to collect your change to be joined with other places and given to The Stockton Area Ministerial Association for its efforts to alleviate some of the suffering in our region. When you give to any of these requests, think about this passage this morning and offer a silent prayer, asking the Lord, Lord, I know. You are with each person who may benefit from this small offering which I give to you. Help me to see you more clearly. Make that your prayer. To be able to see Jesus more clearly in those things that we ordinarily judge because they are less than we are in some form. They are worthy of your love because they are worthy of God's love.